0: Good day, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Seaway and Arjuns Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Bo SG and Sasha Bikri. The last episode was yesterday. We discussed the review of all the last 16, uh, round of 16 matches, uh, whereby we have a lot of big news that got knocked out. Uh, Netherlands, France, for example. And today, we are going to talk about the preview and also the prediction for all the quarterfinal matches as well. First of all, I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Arjun. Arjun, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back.
0: And as you all know, we are alternating our guests. So today is Cedric back onto the stream. Cedric, welcome back.
2: Hi, thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> and I feel that today is good to have Arjun and Cedric onto the channel as we have um, big news over the last two days for both of these clubs, Tottenham and MU. Cedric, let's start with you first. Nuno. Espirito Santo is named as a new Tottenham Hotspur manager. What are your thoughts?
2: Mm, I'm not gonna say that name because it's too long. So we'll just we'll just say Nuno. Um <laughs> but uh I'm I'm kinda excited uh because I, I've been a fan of Nuno. Like uh, even like when I watch sometimes I watch AF TV, some the fans will be shouting, get Arteta out, get Nuno in, or, or like they even wanted Nuno during the uh, the Emery time. So, you know, mm. this is a quality manager. Uh, my only concern would be that Nuno is a guy who works with small squads and he doesn't really rotate much. So, mm. if you know, if you're a fringe player at Spurs and you're hoping, you know, maybe this, this new manager will come in and get me. Ab uh, will, will give me my shot like Daddy Ali, like Eric Dyer. Um, may not be the case. Maybe offloaded. <laughs> so, we will have to wait and see. But I'm, I'm a fan of his style of football because... Uh, uh, I've seen contrasting things about him. Like people say he's too, de- too defensive. But then, I think Wolves is a very good counter-attacking team. And even when they, are, even when they have the ball, they do play well uh, in terms of like, passing it around. So, I think people are underestimating uh, Nuno. I- I'm sure he's a lot more positive than Jose Mourinho. And uh, the trend for Spurs matches is usually good, bad, good, bad. So, uh, Pochettino is good. Mourinho's bad, so hopefully this is a good one. Um yeah. So I'm 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 excited. So hope uh hope Nuno does
0: well. Yeah, yeah, and let's not forget his pedigree. He is the manager who brought wolves back into the Premier League and then bring them into Euro somehow. Yes. So Correct. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Quite good. And I just read this about him. Um apparently uh he ma- he managed Valencia before. I-, I didn't know that. And he took Valencia to fourth place in La Liga. So yeah, oh, that wow. just shows what quality manager he is. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, don't want to confirm this. I don't know whether this was pre Gary Neville, but that may be the last time that Valencia did as well as they did. Um, yeah, I think it's pre Gary Gary Neville. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 hopeful that he'll do well, but he can't do it alone. He needs uh, he needs a good team to help him out. So. Uh, that's, that's uh, he needs Daniel Levi to also back him in the transfer market. Um, mm. So, my only cons- my only thing is that uh, he wasn't the only manager this week, a uh, new manager this week. There was mm. another manager, there was another team that got another manager. And actually, I prefer that manager, if I'm being honest.
0: Wow. Okay. You prefer Rafa?
2: <laughs> yeah, I prefer Rafa C- because Rafa has, has, has more of a, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Rafa has more of a pedigree. Uh, true, true, true. Yeah. That's true. So that's
1: I, the... Yeah. I actually kind of agree with Cedric because uh, when I saw Nuno to Spurs as well, it kind of reminded me of David Moyes to United uh, where he was with Everton, doing really well on the fringes of top four for a few seasons. And then he made the jump to a big club. That's my only concern with Nuno going to Spurs. It is definitely a very exciting uh, manager to, to go to Spurs. But yeah, uh, whether you'll be able to make the big jump up, as Cedric mentioned, he is be used to working with a small squad at Wolves, but I don't think a small squad will work at Spurs since they are supposed to be challenging in every cup uh, they're in. So yeah, that'll be quite interesting to see.
2: Yeah, and imagine if he does rotate for that, uh, what's the thing called, the conference league. You have to rotate. <laughs> There's no way you can't rotate if oh, you're yes. playing the conference. Yeah, so
1: that'd
2: be Interesting, and he, hopefully he'll learn something from the David Moyes experience, where David Moyes tried to change too much too soon. Yeah. Um, but again, because that was a successful MU team, this is not a successful Spurs team. So yeah. perhaps this is the time to actually make those changes.
1: True, true. So true, true, true. I,
2: I don't have all the answers now. Um, all I can say is just all the best. He's the manager, so he uh, he he should know what to do.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Arjun, back to MU. Um, Jaden Sancho, and now we are hearing Rafael Varan joining MU. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so I okay, first off to address Jaden Sancho. I think this has been like a year, a year plus in the making. This probably the uh, most drawn out, uh, transfer in the re- in recent times at least. Uh, I think it's been like it's been obvious that United have been after him for quite some time now. Couldn't get the deal over the line last year, uh, because of the pandemic and whatnot. I think the finances were uncertain as well as Dortmund didn't want to drop the evaluation, things like that. But I think as a player, it's definitely a very good signing. He's a young player, exciting. Uh, fits uh, Ole's philosophy of bringing in young English players and he addresses a problem area at United which is right wing. I think this isn't the emergence of Mason Greenwood sort of papered over the cracks at right wing but there is definitely an area where we United needed reinforcements and I think Sancho addresses that. He was slot right into the first team and he also addresses the fast uh, rotating attack that Ole, Ole try, is trying to build. With uh, Rashford as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a really good signing. Barat, on the other hand, I'm not so sure because uh, he does seem a little bit like he's over his feet. Uh, I, I didn't really like the French defense with Barat there. Uh, I, I mean, I don't solely blame him, but he was leaking goals. He didn't look very solid. And Barat Oro, um, he, he's a player that I like, but probably like two seasons ago. I don't know whether right now he is still in the form that he is, whether he can still produce, like how he used to produce. But if he does, that would be a good partnership for Ryan and Maguire, And that addresses the other centre-back issue at United as well. So then, I don't think there's any excuses for United not to challenge for the title next season.
0: Okay, thank you, Arjun.
1: Um, Okay, let's move back
0: to uh, why we are here today. Let's talk about the quarterfinals of the Euro 2020. Cedric,
2: let's start with you. Um, Switzerland against Spain, first match. Yep. Okay. So Switzerland, uh, best uh, upset of the last round. Uh, that was a, that was an amazing game that I, that I stayed up for. Um, and the thing is, if we're going by performance-wise, though, uh, across the tournament, across the four games, Switzerland has been the weakest in terms of performance. Not the weakest in terms of squad, but in terms of performance. And uh, with that French game. Although France were kind of underwhelming, I, Switzerland were riding their luck as well. So I, at the end of the day, the draw was the fair result between both. And uh, I'm I'm not so sure that that luck of uh, that Switzerland had in that game would uh, continue moving forward. Now, don't get me wrong; they played well in that French game. Uh, it's just that you know, uh, France. Um, France led them <laughs> in a way, like 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 by being as poor as they were in some parts of the game. So and and plus the game stretched out to uh to the penalty shootout and uh they uh they probably did tired uh from that game like mentally tired as well because of the penalty shootout. So uh this game will be very hard, but <laughs> Spain also went into extra time. So. Uh, we're going to have two very dead tired teams. And because of the results you saw in the last game, like Croatia 3, Spain 5, uh, Sweden 3, France 3, you're going ex- people are going to expect this game to be high scoring as well. No, don't expect that. It's going to go back. Both teams are going to go back to the uh, seldom score. Like, you know, before, uh, before Sweden started scoring a lot of goals, it was the 1-1 with Wales. And then they let Italy walk over them in their 3-0 loss. And Spain couldn't score in the first, in the first game at all. So I think it will be a return to that because both teams are tired. Um, but I do expect Spain to age this because of the quality. And I think they're finding form at the right time. Uh, I just don't expect them to score as many goals as they as they did uh, uh, in the last two matches. That was that was insane. So uh, I'm going to go for a narrow Spain win. I'm going to go
1: 1-0. Ajun? Uh, I think I kind of agree with uh, Cedric that uh, I think I mentioned in yesterday's podcast episode that um, if Spain play like they, how they did against Croatia, they will probably be made to pay the same way. I mean, they led three one and then uh, considered two last minute goals to Croatia, which brought them into extra time. Switzerland, on the other hand, had just uh, went all the way to penalties and upset France. So yeah, both but definitely both teams are going to be really tired. Like what Cedric mentioned, both teams went deep into extra time. Uh, Switzerland went all the way to a penalty shootout. And given the squad strength, given overall performance in the Euro so far, I, I have to agree that I think Spain is going to edge it. Um, I think both teams, it, it's going to be a lecture fixture. I don't think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, it might even go into extra time as nil-nil and Spain just make a goal. Uh, or even winning like 2-1. So, uh, I, I wouldn't put it past Switzerland to score.
0: But yeah, I, I think Spain will edge this. Yeah, I agree. So I, th- I feel that Spain is going to win this game, but I disagree to the point where uh, it's going to be a, a boring game. I know they'll be tired, but I still feel that it's a high-scoring game because, you know, like, like what Cedric mentioned, S- Sicilian scored three goals previously, and Spain scored ten goals in the last two games. So, um, Morata has also started scoring goals, and with both defence a bit shaky, Especially from Spain's side, you can see that Unai Simon made a mistake and a own goal the last game. And um, Switzerland knows that they have to attack to at least end a chance in this game. With uh, Safarovic in good form. So, uh, my prediction is um, Switzerland 2, Spain 3. Um, Arjun, uh, next match wow. is <laughs> Belgium against Italy.
1: Yeah, one. Um, uh, I think probably the biggest tie in the quarter-final. Uh, I think everyone expected more big ties in the quarterfinal, but because of several upsets uh, here, we are, this is probably the biggest tie in the quarterfinal. Uh, definitely, form-wise, Italy has been in much better form than Belgium. I'd say. Um, of course, the in group in the group as well, Italy uh, performed really well. Uh, Belgium performed well as well, but in the last round, I don't think we saw as much from Belgium. In, the game, in their game against Portugal, as we mentioned in our review, uh, I felt that Portugal dominated the game and they just liked the finishing touch. Belgium scored a good goal. They had some good build-up play, but they wrote their luck quite a lot. Um, yeah, so I think they will struggle against Italy. Uh, this Italian team, yes, Austria limited uh, them to a 2-1 score, but I don't think Belgium will have enough to beat them. Uh, or even draw and bring into penalties. I think Italy should win this one unless Belgium improve. Uh, Belgium's ageing defence is definitely going to be against them. Italy seem pretty good in attack. They seem to be able to find goals uh, in every game. So, And it's, it's not certain that Belgium will score on the other end. Uh, as we have seen in the last match as well, they only scored one long-range goal from Togan Hazard and then nothing else. So I think Italy is going to win this one.
0: Uh, pretty comfortably I'd go for like a
2: 3-1 score Wow okay uh, Cedric thoughts? So to me I think this is the final <laughs> <laughs> I think whoever wins this is going to win the Euros because France is out and uh, a bunch of other strong teams like are out as well like Netherlands uh, and, and Germany so uh, I, I'm i agreeing with Arjun in that I think Italy will win but before I I, 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 I say why I do want to give praise to Belgium because in that last game against Portugal, I thought that they did a they did what France did against Germany in that first game, where it was oh you want to break us down? Well, too bad. <laughs> uh, we have a, we actually have a strong defense, which was what I thought would worry me, me about uh, Belgium, which is that defense. But that defense kept a clean sheet against Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes. You know all these Portuguese players. They managed to keep a clean sheet. So. You know, if, if, if anybody wants to complain about the Belgian defence, that was them saying, shut up. <laughs> so yeah, they shut me up. <laughs> now, now I, I guess I can't say that uh, it, based on that performance. But with that said, I do think, uh, as Arjun said, uh, Italy would, would be able to break this team now because uh, while that Portuguese team was uh, gelling, uh, this Italian team, they, they are very united uh, in, their, uh, in their play. And Mancini is a tactical genius. He, he doesn't need to rely on players beating uh, the defenders one-on-one. He just knows how to move the ball around to, to break past defenses. Um, uh, and another key factor in this match is of why I'm going with Italy. is because uh, Belgium is missing both Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. So that, that would be a big loss. Like uh, Roberto Martinez said that those two only come back in the semifinals. But this, this is the this is the big game, you know. You got you have to. If you lose this game, there's no semifinals to play for. But uh, that's not on anybody's fault because you know you're injured. You're injured, so but that's that's a huge loss for them. Uh, both like it's bad enough you lose one. Now you have both gone. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Italy two now because there's no one to create chances
0: for Lukaku. Yeah, I have to agree that um, I feel Italy will win this game, and. Uh, yeah, Cedric brought up a point that I was going to bring up, which is uh, the injury to Eden Hazard and and Kevin Kevin De Bruyne. Eden Hazard in this season in this uh, tournament may not be the more important Hazard of the Belgian squad, but the, the the loss or the injury of Kevin De Bruyne really really is really a massive impact to, to, to the Belgium squad. So um, I feel Belgium's front. Uh, final third play will be affected due to the injury to to to, to Kevin De Bruyne and depends on who can come in and replace him. Whether is it Carrasco or or some other white uh, white white player. And yes, uh, Lukaku's Lukaku's hold up play is good as we mentioned Uday yesterday, but whether or not there's somebody to feed him the the, the service or will he be starved off like how Lewandowski was in Poland's squad. So in this game, I feel uh, Italy is still, you know, there's there's no not much. There, there isn't a significant injury to worry about. And they have been in good form. And both teams won all their all the games so far. Um, But yeah, I feel the fact that there's less hype about Italy this time round really does help them pre-tournament. And after the tournament started, they are still being under the radar. So yeah, I'm going for Italy 2-0. Um, Frederick, the next game is Czech Republic against Denmark. Okay, so although it's considered
2: quote unquote uh two small teams, uh I think these two teams have proven themselves in this tournament. Like of these eight teams remaining, uh I would put Denmark and Czech as like the third and fourth best team uh in left in the competition, like in terms of performance, not not in terms of like the, the squad strength and whatnot. Uh firstly with Denmark although losing Ericsson, like the, the people who have come in for Ericsson, I forgot the guy's name, uh, but it's another blonde-haired dude as well. Um, did well. Uh, not just did well, but like played really well, scored goals as well. And uh, they, they really um, uh, caught the Welsh team off guard because I thought Wales would just sneak it past uh, Denmark because Denmark would, have been, uh, would be stretched from that game. Uh, uh Like, uh, yeah, stretched from that game against Russia where they had to win that game in order to go through but um, I, I they managed to get past Wales very easily and uh, they were the best team of the last round so I think that that trend will continue on because if they had faced Netherlands instead of Czech Republic, I would have gone with Netherlands because if I was Netherlands and I was you know I was a smarter Frank Dubois I would I would play the expensive game expensive as in E-X-P-A-N expensive game of uh of uh, uh, and stretching the pitch because I know that Denmark's uh, Denmark players they are they're actually getting a bit tired now because even in that four 0 win over Wales, you actually see players like Simon Keir, I think that's how you pronounce the name Simon Kier and uh, the La- Larsen uh, at 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 right back they 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 started having cramps in that game and had to be substituted so if I saw that as a Netherlands uh, manager I would have played that expensive game but with Czech Republic they don't play that. What Czech Republic does is they are a very solid team in terms of uh very much like what Russia was in that 2018 World Cup. Like Russia wished they were this Czech Republic team in this in these Euros, which is that they keep their they keep their uh, their shape. So it's very hard to break the Czech Republic down. As we saw, England couldn't do it, Scotland couldn't do it. Um Croatia did it once through Paris' magic. So and, and Netherlands couldn't do it at all. Yeah, like them, basically he, he he had he had a he had a pretty bad game, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, so, and, and what the Czech Republic did was they, they, uh, they pressure the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Netherlands team in their own half. So uh, if they do the same to Denmark, uh, it could be a tough game for Denmark. But here's the thing, Denmark does that too. Denmark also presses high up. They press the Welsh team uh, high up the pitch as well. So it's just going to be two teams that are each, pressing each other. It's like uh, two uh, Mauricio-Portecino teams playing against each other. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to lean more towards Denmark having more of the possession. And uh, because they have better quality and they, do, uh, they are more expensive than Czech Republic, I'm just going to go for another slight result. I'm going to go with uh, Denmark 1, Czech
1: Republic 0.
2: Yeah, so um, again, looking at
1: this match, like uh, what Cedric said, although on paper, it seems like a game between two small teams, but I think this could be one of the more exciting sides of the quarterfinal uh, just because I, I feel their styles of play are slightly opposite in a way in that Denmark, the way they have won games, especially in the last two games, is by uh, being quite exciting, attacking, opening up the other team, creating loads of chances, scoring four goals each in the last two games. Whereas Czech Republic, uh, I think in all of their wins so far, they have been really solid. Um, they have attacked at the right moment and Scott took their chances at the right moment but they didn't have like a load, loads of chances. So that, that was that's the difference. I really don't know how to split this team to be honest. I, so I, I think it's going to be really tight as well but I have been quite impressed by what I've seen from this Denmark team. I think in the last round uh, I predicted Wales to progress as well against Denmark but Denmark's ran riot against Wales after, after the first five, ten minutes where Wales dominated. Um, so if Denmark is able to gain a foothold in this match, like how they did against Wales, and not let Czech have the possession, although Czech is not going to be easy to break down, but I think Denmark will be able to edge it, as what Cedric uh, mentioned. I think Czech will score, though, uh, because they're really good at taking their chances. So I'll, I'll predict probably Denmark going through at 2-1.
0: Yeah, I agree with your analysis there. I also feel that Denmark will progress at the end of the day. But um so why do I say that is considering the fact that they scored, yeah, like what I didn't mention, they scored four goals in the last two games, the last group game and also the last match against Wales. And it was very impressive that they scored four goals in the last match without their star, starman Ericsson and also their striker Yusuf Poulsen, And the, the substitute striker just came in and scored two goals, Dober. So, it was very good, and, and he returns this game, and it's interesting to see who the manager will play this time round, whether is it is Doverk or Poulsen. So, so Czech Republic, on the other hand, performed very well against the Netherlands. Like what uh, Cedric mentioned, I agree with him. The PSG's midfielders, Junior uh, Adam, had a very bad game. game defensively as well as, as, well as attackingly, uh, offensively. So, this match, uh, I feel it's a close one. It's very hard to call who will win, Um, But I'm going with 2-2 and full time after extra time and Denmark to go through on penalties. Uh, Yeah, last game, Uh, Arjun. This is England against Ukraine.
1: Yeah, so once again, following the trend of England games, uh, England have not played very exciting football, so I don't think this is going to be a very exciting match. Ukraine has been exciting. Their attack has been Really good to watch. Uh, Defensively, they have not been too solid. So, there there are chances for this England team going forward. Whether Ukraine can breach the England defense, though, is another question. Uh, As as we all know, England is the only team not to concede a goal yet in this Euros. Uh, Of course, that's not solely because of their defense and the goalkeeper. I think the likes of Kelvin Phillips uh, and Declan Rice, especially Kelvin Phillips, have worked really hard to cover the ground, uh, mop up any attacks. Uh, he has made quite a lot of interceptions. I think Uday mentioned that in the in his last game he made eleven interceptions against uh, Germany, which contributed to the defense not having to do much. So defensively, I think this England team is really good. It's just whether offensively they can click going forward. They they do show signs of starting to play Shaw's assists for Sterling, uh, Grealish assists for Kane. They are trying uh, starting to find each other. There are small signs of that, so I think England will win this one. Ukraine will trouble them, but looking how solid the England defense and midfield have been, I don't think Ukraine will be able to breach them. But I don't expect England to like score four past Ukraine either, uh, given how toothless their attack has been up to now. So I expect a 2 0 from England, a 2 win from England.
2: Cedric? Start Jack Grealish. <laughs> that's all I have to say. That's, I mean, I, I'm going to say more, but I mean, that's the, that's the key point. You know, start every time when England scores, it's. Uh, except for that first game, it's always involving Jack Grealish. But he came on and changed the game for Germany. Um, about the defence, though, uh, yes, they've played well against who they are in front of. Uh, I mean, sorry, they played well against who they uh, had to play against. But at the same time, they played against attacks that aren't very uh, potent. So, Czech Republic already said that they don't score off goals, but they are um, clinical. So, But they don't score many. And uh, and in that England game, they sat back. For Croatia, yeah, they also sat back in that game. So, didn't really need to face... Uh, 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 uh Parisiç or uh, or uh, uh, Vlasiç when Vlasiç finally came in for the uh, came into the starting eleven for Croatia, and then against Germany it was against Werner. So you know how hard can that be? Um, uh, just joking, <laughs> but you know we all know the truth about Werner. Um, and actually in that game against uh, against Germany, England was very lucky. Like uh, there was some with three at the back. There were some times that the German players would actually manage to bypass the three centre-backs. Like, uh, there were many good chances. In the first half, were uh, uh, Werner had some good uh, chances as well. and, and we all. But the, the main chance that we remember was the, in the second half where Müller uh, had a very glorious chance to score against England. So they are riding their luck um, with that defence. And they are still unlikely to be tested against a very tired Ukraine. That game against Sweden, it wasn't a boring game per se, but it was like, can, can, can this game end? I, I want to sleep. <laughs> you know, and it was the last game as well. Uh uh Ukraine. Um, this is not the same Ukraine that I loved in the first two games, but it is better than what they did against Austria. That that game against Austria was just terrible. But it looks like it worked in hindsight, like purposely lose that game, get Sweden, beat Sweden, uh, rather than face Italy. So uh, I'm starting to think maybe they lost that game on purpose, uh, <laughs> but they uh, they did well against uh, Sweden and again, Sweden's uh, Sweden managed uh, Sweden shot themselves in the foot. So I guess all all Group E teams are self sabotagers. So even Sweden had that uh, had that bone in them to to shoot themselves in the foot with that horrible red card. So uh, Ukraine are definitely they deserve to be here based on you know who they had to face, but uh, I think this is where it ends for them. Uh, they'll be very tired against this English team who didn't, didn't play beyond 90 minutes and then Ukraine had to go into extra time and Ukraine will be tired and they can't really rotate. Zinchenko, all these players have to play. Yeah, they all have to play. England can switch around and when England plays uh, plays uh, 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 Jack Grealish against this Ukrainian defense, I think it's going, uh, it can be a bloodbath if he starts Jack Grealish. That's why my, my prediction depends on whether he starts Jack Grealish. If he starts Jack Grealish, 2-0. If he doesn't start Jack Grealish, uh, probably 1-0. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, okay. no, sorry. Maybe uh, maybe I was too conservative. If he doesn't start yeah. Jack Grealish, I'll still stick to 1-0. But if he starts Jack Grealish, it could be 3-4. You know, it could be a lot. Because this Ukrainian team can't really defend like that That game, uh, 3-2 to Netherlands. And then they even let North Macedonia try to scare them in the second half. And yeah, uh, 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 the only time they went not in attack was uh, against uh, against Ukraine, and uh, yeah, hey, so uh, against Austria. The only time they went challenged was against Austria. So other than that, this defense is it's not bad. It's just you know it, it's not the most uh, in, intimidating defense you'll face. So, uh so Gareth Southgate is my new friend the war. Where if if he had if he had lost to Germany, I wouldn't sack him. If Gareth Southgate
0: loses this game, I would sack him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I agree with you I feel that eventually England will go through but this will be much 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 closer game compared to the one against Germany where, where by the they win 2-0 I feel it's, it's a close game I feel it, it will be one goal difference why is it so it's because this will be the first game where England will play outside of Wembley and they, it's the first game that they have travel out and it's in Rome and also the fact that uh, there's a news that came out um, that um, England, uh, UK uh, residents who, who who go to Rome, who come from UK, cannot enter the stadium due to COVID restriction. So that basically means that England will not have any fans, apart those that sneak in in the stadium. Whereas Ukraine will have fans in the stadium to support their their nation. So this will be like an away match for the England team. So, this is the first challenge that we have not seen uh, England uh, play in an away match, match or have to travel for a match before because all the other teams had to travel other than England. So, so far, this is a new challenge for them in the quarterfinals. And secondly, regarding Jack Grealish, I feel that probably it's a, a Gary Saugay's um, tactic, as I said in the last podcast. Maybe he's trying to tire the legs of the opposition defenders before bringing on Jack Grealish to, you know, with his uh, direct running and his dribbling skills. He can because after he bring on him, bring on Jack Grealish, he immediately contributed two goals against Germany. So, um, and this Ukraine, like what uh, Cedric mentioned, it's not the same Ukraine that we saw previously. You know, they gave Netherlands a good fight, they beat Sweden, who has been quite impressive since the start of the tournament with Isaac and uh Forsberg. Yeah, so under Shevchenko, this is quite a good team, quite a solid team, even though there isn't much household name other than Jinchenko and, and Yamalenko. So, I feel it will be a close one. I feel it will be uh, Ukraine one and England two. Yeah, okay. Um, Cedric, Arjun, anything else to add? I think that's about it. Uh,
2: so, uh, I, I see that we have eight minutes left. So, I just want to quickly talk about the traveling around for Euro. Like, are you, are you fans of the traveling around? because it sounded good in concept. I like the fact, that, oh wow, you're gonna, uh, Euro is basically everyone. But then you see some unfair stuff, like Switzerland has traveled how many miles? And then England has only traveled like, z- uh, no, England traveled zero miles, literally. Oh, so at the end of this it's kind of unfair. Like I, I didn't, uh, the execution wise, like in concept, it sounds great. Execution, I think, you know, don't, don't do this
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, I like the idea, Cedric, I like the idea of traveling around, that you, you spread it a- across different places in the Europe, but probably just the first time that they did it, so I don't know, I give them a the better of doubt, maybe they'll improve next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, spreading it out does seem nicer, uh, because yeah. it's not contained to one city. Uh, yes. Yeah, you see, get to see different stadiums, different fans. Yeah, it's quite nice, but yeah, I, I think execution was quite poor. Uh, it's definitely very unfair to certain I think um, someone from Germany was complaining as well about this, saying it's so unfair that England has played all their matches at Wembley. Mm.
0: And also, did you all wow. read that Germany wasn't allowed to train in Wembley before the game? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't know whether there's some bias or what from the start to the quarterfinals, taking care of England all the way. So-
2: <laughs> yes. There is bias.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you don't bias to win now. Think about
0: it, Like after, after this quarterfinals
2: match, it's back to Wembley again. And the finals in Wembley as well. <laughs> so it, it is bias. Yeah. Like maybe it's accidental bias, but it is. It's, it's in their favor. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and if England win this tournament, right, I... Um, if they win this tournament, it's, it's not really going to silence the doubters because it will be like, oh, so England only wins when they host. 1966. 19, <laughs> 19, <laughs> yes. And then in 2021, where they host most of their <laughs> games.
1: So, so it's so like, like, okay,
2: so <laughs> to point England no, to in win in the tournament, they basically need to host.
0: They only play <laughs> one game out of England. Yeah. So, so like, in a way, I don't want Ukraine really to win that
2: game so that England can shut up. <laughs> So, so I guess that's England's winning formula, just
1: bid for the hosting
2: rights every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were, they were actually bidding for the hosting rights of the 2018 World Cup, they were so angry it went to Russia. Like, uh, <laughs> I remember this segment, the, the, the English media basically did like a one-hour segment. Why did you give it to Russia and not us? And
1: You know, they talked about it for oh, an, yeah. a whole yeah. hour. Yeah. I, I think I remember David Beckham was on the committee as well. Yeah. Arjun, yeah. David right. Beckham is on every England's yeah. committee.
0: <laughs> to beat for sporting <laughs> events, yeah. I mean, big let, let name, yeah, yeah.
2: Even in that twenty eighteen World Cup, I I saw the I saw the beating like uh when when each, each country was doing the pitch and England's one was actually not bad, but the Russian one was very bad. Like the Russian, like they got andrey Arshavin on stage and he was like, please. We beg you to choose Russia. I'm like, what? No, don't do that. Like, say what's why? Why are you Russia should, should 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 host? Don't don't beg. Don't beg to be chosen. It's, it's, it was very weird. So that's why I, I I I'm not. I don't know why Russia got it, and I have a lot of conspiracy theories about Russia hosting that World Cup. But we will save it for another time. Um, well, why is Qatar hosting the next World Cup? <laughs> Oh, that, that, that's not a conspiracy. That, that, that is bribery. That's, that's, that's proven. Uh, the, yeah, the Russian that's, one is not proven. Yeah. So that was, that's, just my, that's just my own cons- conspiracy. All right, <laughs> let's
0: discuss this some other time then. All right, yeah. thanks, thanks a lot, yeah. Cedric. Listeners, if you have any comments about our podcast, please do leave us a DM on our Instagram. My Instagram handle is at steven__rock__on. I just Instagram handle is at Reuven Arjun. Cedric, thank you once again for joining us and being so supportive. No worries. See you again. You again, and we will be back next time after
1: the quarterfinals for the quarterfinals review as well. In the meantime, guys, stay safe and bye bye.